What do eight bags of concrete mix, a cooler full of 30-pound sea bass, and a 10-inch compound miter saw have in common? They're all things that are easier to load in and out of the bed of the new F-150. Thanks to its new available pro-access tailgate, that's also a swing gate. The new 2024 Ford F-150, tough this smart, can only be called F-150. Available starting early 2024, pro-access tailgate available starting spring 2024, cargo and load capacity limited by weight and weight distribution. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Could anything happen in this playoff game Monday that could put Mike McCarthy's job status in question for next year? No. Just, I, I don't even want to. Uh, no. That's it. I, I don't need to go into all the pluses or minuses, but uh, uh, we're not seeing any. We're not uh, basing. I've got uh, a lot more to evaluate Mike McCarthy on than this playoff game. Oh, I'd love to know what the minuses are, Jerry. What are the minuses? Um, look, and and there's there's a real difference between seeing the words and hearing them. You can interpret based upon hearing it that he already has a thought on Mike McCarthy that it doesn't really matter what happens on Monday night because it's probably going to be consistent with what I already believe Mike McCarthy to be as a head coach, which hardly means he's he's completely and entirely safe. He has had two great regular seasons. Last year's playoff loss ultimately was pinned on him for a failure of attention to detail and planning and execution of that quarterback draw where he failed to recognize that the umpire could not teleport through the center and the quarterback to touch the ball so that they could spike it and kill the clock. Right. If there, I've been saying this all along, Chris. If there is a clear, bright line failure of coaching that causes them to lose on Monday night, how is he not? How do you not? At a certain point, you're negligent in your job as the owner and GM of the team. If you're not holding the coach accountable for failures to win in the postseason that trace back to coaching. I, I, I understand it. I mean, Mike McCarthy has a little reputation there in that department. So I think that hurts him when we talk about this. Right. And yeah, I mean, last year that was disappointing. They were 12 and five. They were home in a playoff game. It was a 49ers team that was what? 10 and seven. Oh, last there year. it is. And here's the play. Sorry, Cowboys fans. Right. So this fed into a narrative of like penalties and, and bad management of situations that was already around McCarthy. So that's where, you know, it hurts them. There's a little bit of a stigma there. And I get it. I understand it. And they were outplayed by a team that they looked at and thought, hey, we were better than them. They weren't. You know, they weren't. But, like, I, I don't know, Mike. You know, I, I, I mean, minus, like, just an absolute crazy blunder. I, I, I don't – how could you – I wouldn't do it. I just – I'll say that. You know, they're, they're, they're a team that's going in the right direction. They have gone twelve and five this year, uh, two years in a row. You know, this is a year that you know I don't think anybody thought they would be. I don't know. I don't know if we really thought they would be a twelve and five, thirteen and four type of football team before the year either. We were kind of questioning about, ooh, they've lost some players. What's going to happen here? I'm not sure, right? You know, so from that standpoint, I just go. It's a little bit like what Brad Holmes said at the start of the show with the quarterback thing. You just got to be careful about you know, throwing overboard a successful formula and things that are going the right way just because it's not a perfect formula. 
perfect's hard. Perfect's winning the Super Bowl. Perfect ain't that easy. So, you know, I'm one to sit here and, and stick up for Mike McCarthy. And I, like I said, unless it's just an absolute crazy blunder, you, you stick with them. If you think you can get Sean Payton, though, that's what it comes back to. Four years ago, Jerry Jones initiated the launch sequence to get Sean Payton. And it didn't work out. But he's been in that position. That's a name that's been tied to Jones. And Peyton's in play. And it is speak now or forever hold your peace time if you're Jerry Jones. Now, it's possible that Peyton doesn't take a job and kicks the can for one more year. And then he'd be in play next year. But with the Broncos sniffing around and who knows how much money they would offer him, they may, they may make him an offer that he won't refuse. We don't know what the Cardinals are going to do. I reported Saturday night that the Saints fully expected to get a phone call from the Cardinals at some point for permission to talk to Sean Payton. And some of these other teams that are looking for coaches may say, well, maybe we should get in on this. This may be it. I mean, wouldn't it be something for the Cowboys if the Texans decide to throw the keys to Sean Payton? You think Jerry Jones wants to have Sean Payton down the road turning the Texans around? So that's why I say it. This isn't, this isn't like the Lions getting rid of Jared Goff and, and just – pulling a name out of a hat yeah. and hoping that some unproven quarterback comes in and plays There's as well or better hovering. than Goff. This yeah. isn't scratching a lottery ticket. Right. This is, this is okay, wait, wait. I, I've got a guy who has won a Super Bowl and who has had a perennially contending team except for the lost years following the Bounty Gate BS that the league imposed on the Saints. This is a guy that I know can come in. This is a guy who, if he was going to run a quarterback draw – with the clock ticking toward double zeros, down six in a playoff game, would have made sure that everyone knew you got to get your ass out of the way so the umpire can get through to touch the ball. That's the kind of detail that would not have been lost on Sean Payton, but that clearly was lost on Mike McCarthy. That That's why I keep thinking about this. Not because it's get rid of McCarthy and go hire somebody new. Yeah. It's Sean Payton is there looming. And if McCarthy makes another one of these brain fart things that – McCarthy did, but Peyton never would have done. I feel like that's when Jerry Jones, Stephen Jones, anyone involved in running that team has to realize there's a common thread. And for all the all the pluses for Mike McCarthy, getting back to Jerry's quote, pluses and minuses, one of the minuses is, boy, man, sometimes the whole house is going to cave down on us because we weren't as buttoned up as we should have been. And there's a guy out there that I've known for years who's buttoned up in everything he does. Maybe now's the time to go get him. Yeah, I, I think that I, I think you're saying it right. That that's the situation we're in. I don't think it's about oh, Mike McCarthy hasn't done a great job or deserves to be. It, it is the Sean Payton factor that I, I think is the only reason we're discussing this. And yeah, we know there's a prior relationship. And of course, yeah, if you're asking me, Sean Payton, Mike McCarthy, okay, yeah, I'm definitely taking Sean Payton. There's no doubt about that. I mean, Sean Payton's one of the greatest offensive minds in the history of football. You know, Mike McCarthy, he's a very good coach. His teams are tough, you know. They're, they're physical. They're, their game plan and never wows me. He's not an offensive coordinator. He doesn't call the plays anymore, but they do the right things. You know, so I, I got a lot of respect for what Mike McCarthy has done. Yeah, there was a time where, yeah, I think it was a little overrated and Aaron Rodgers was doing a little too much of the work there. But as far as just the CEO, head coach, oversee the team, do stuff, he does a lot of positive things, there's no doubt. But Sean Payton is special. And, you know, th this is one where Jerry, we've seen he's kind of patient with coaches. He doesn't like to pay them after he's fired them. And, you know, that's where I just, I, I wonder how real of an option Sean Payton really is in his mind right now. Does he really want to upset the apple cart and do this whole thing? You know, I think that's going to be the, the thing we're looking at here. And, of course, Monday night we'll have a little say in this as well. Isn't it amazing that a guy who has that much money and is constantly making more of it would be cheap when it comes to paying someone to not work for him? And he would continue to cling to a coach who may not get him that Super Bowl victory he wants simply because he does not want to give the guy the satisfaction to go home for a year or two and get paid to do nothing. It's fascinating. It's a fascinating wrinkle, but you're right. He doesn't like to fire guys who get paid after they are gone, and McCarthy would have a couple of years left on his contract if a change would be made. All right, change was made during the season in Indianapolis, even though Frank Reich got a contract extension not that long ago. Jim Irsay got to the point where he was exasperated, threw his hands in the air, fired Frank Reich and hired Jeff Saturday to come in and handle the final eight games of the year. 
Chris Ballard, Ursay has repeatedly said he'll be back for 2023. He was in front of reporters yesterday to talk about a very disappointing season for the Colts. Here's some of what Ballard had to say. Look, I failed. I'm not going to sit up here and make excuses. Failed a lot of people. Um, highly disappointed, you know, about where we're at, how the season went. I know there's doubt. There should be. Absolutely, there should be. Uh, the criticism. It's warranted. Criticism, you know, regarding my job and what I've done, it's warranted. But I'm still, I've not lost any confidence in what we can build here. You know, we live in a world where failure is not allowed. It's not allowed. You, you fail in this world, we're, and we're doing it at the biggest stage. When you fail in this world, you get canceled. And everybody wants your head, and, right, and rightfully so in some cases. But if you're able to go through it and grow from it, you can reach your greatest heights, and I think we will. Hey, and if you're a general manager in the NFL and you get canceled, you don't get renewed. Very rarely. Dave Gettleman is one that comes to mind. There are a couple of others. John no, Dorsey. It's weird. But there aren't many right. who get a second bite at the apple. I mean, Thomas Dimitrov, 10 years of excellence in Atlanta. Yeah. Doesn't make Every sense. name. I don't get that either. To a job. I don't get it. Right. And I, re- I really do think that for plenty of owners – the general manager is like the mini commissioner. All of them collectively hide behind the commissioner, who's the pin cushion for their their questionable big picture business decisions. At a micro level, I feel like the GM is the guy that the owner hides behind if the owner is inclined to meddle. And that's one of the realities of these cults. Jim Irsay has become a full-blown meddler. And I think a lot of what Chris Ballard was doing yesterday was taking arrows for Jim Ursay. I failed. No, Jim failed. You're just doing what Jim told you to do. Your boss is who failed. And I know that in the past he hired Tony Dungy and he, he you know, had a Super Bowl champion. I, I get it. But Jim Ursay is more of an impediment than a positive to that team right now, as evidenced by what he did this year. And, and Chris, I suspect Ursay is feverishly trying to come up with an argument that will pass the smell test that Jeff Saturday should get a full year as head coach of the team, that he was coaching with one hand tied behind his back because of the circumstances that Jim Ursay put him in. And under those circumstances, one in seven is an A-plus because I put him in a bad spot. It's my fault for doing that to him, so I'm going to give him a full season or more than a full season. And and look, at some point you got to wonder – why Chris Ballard deals with it. Yeah, right. But I think one of the reasons he deals with it is he knows there's no second act for a GM. Yeah. It's hard to get a second job as a GM. So you better hold on to the one that you have for as long as you can, even if your owner has morphed into a complete and total pain in your ass. Yeah. I, I mean, I think you're saying some real stuff there. Um, it is rare. It's, it's like only some of the great GMs in all time, I feel like, it got second chances. I don't get it. I mean, there's been some really good, awesome ones, like you said, who have you know, hung around forever, get fired, and then never get a sniff again. I don't get that either. Chris Ballard, to me, is you know, one of the better GMs in football. That would be the first thing I'd say. Again, it's a team that's been competitive. He's built the roster to a point to where, you know, again, there's a lot of positives. He's been thrown two you know, gigantic curveballs in his tenure there as a GM. First one was the head coach in the Josh McDaniel situation which then made it go to Frank Reich late in the game, right? So it makes that work, right? And, and then, of course, the Andrew Luck issue on top of that. Uh, I mean, the, they were sitting there, again, at a point here after year one where we were going, oh, my gosh, the Colts are building something. Watch out. With Andrew Luck, they're going to be good for a long time, right? And that messed things up. But I don't know how you look at it and go, oh, wait, the roster's the issue. Isn't the GM's job to build the roster? You know, yeah, the quarterback situation's been tough. They haven't got that right. There's probably a little blame to go around with all three, Frank Reich, uh, Ursay, and Chris Ballard as far as that conversation is concerned. 
Um, but still, man, I look at that and just go, I, I think it's crazy to, to not like what Chris Ballard has done. Uh, yeah, did they misevaluate their offensive line maybe a little bit this year and thought it was going to be more talented? Sure. But we all kind of did. Uh, and and it's just they've had some some bad luck there. I, I think that's what I'd look at. And I think it would be crazy to let go of, of Chris Ballard. Well, the the negative there, though, and yeah. you and I have the same opinion generally about Chris Ballard, but it's Phillip Rivers, Carson Wentz, Matt Ryan. Yeah. And even if Carson Wentz was a Frank Reich move, Ballard's involved in the evaluation. I know. And Ballard's ultimately responsible. And he would say this. He yeah. would say this. Right. I, I need to do a better job of projecting where a guy is going. I need to be looking at that film. I need to be doing my research. And I need to understand that the guy that we get may never be as good as the guy that we saw on film when we evaluated Matt Ryan's a prime example of that, but Matt Ryan kind of fell into their lap. Like the Falcons exactly didn't plan right. it this way. It created right. the impression the Falcons fully intended to go forward with him. They had leaked to NFL media that they had restructured the contract to reduce the Matt Ryan cap hit for 2022 with the full intention of having him on the team until this Deshaun Watson situation where Watson reached out and wanted the Falcons involved and that broke the relationship between the Falcons and Matt Ryan. And and so the Colts viewed it as a positive. They I don't think they ever stopped to think maybe Matt Ryan's not going to be very good this year. Yeah. I, so well, I, yeah. it's just been it's it's been it's been one after another. And I feel bad for Chris Bowles. It's all started because Andrew Luck decided he didn't want to play anymore. And that's his prerogative. And, you know, Ursay was was belly aching about it this season. Look, sorry, that's part of the risk you take. And why would you want a guy who doesn't want to play. It's like having a, a soldier in your military that doesn't want to be there. You don't want to put a gun in that person's hands if they don't want to be there. You don't want a player who do, who's out on the field if he doesn't want to be there. So it happened. You got to move on from it at some point. And, you know, one of the other things Ballard said, Chris, I, I, I need to see the quote again just to make sure I'm not misremembering it, but I get the impression they're going to be very aggressive about exploring going all the way up to number one and getting the pick. You know, get getting get the next... Peyton Manning, Andrew Luck, get that first overall pick. And I wouldn't be surprised if Ursay's already told Ballard, do whatever you have to do to go get that first overall pick so we can reboot this team with our next great quarterback like we did in 98, like we did in 2012, and like we're going to do in 2023. Uh, I, I wouldn't be shocked. I mean, he, he's, he's shown to be aggressive and make moves. He comes from places prior to him being the GM of the Indianapolis Colts that were kind of aggressive and not afraid to make moves. So uh, they would definitely be a team that I'd watch out for. I mean, we saw them a few years ago just, you know, trade away a first-round pick and a bunch of money to get DeForest Buckner, right? So they'll do what they got to do. You're right. You know, hey, the Matt Ryan thing's tough too. I I think you can almost put that into the bad luck category. I don't think anybody saw that coming. That that one is – I don't care who you are. No. I I mean, and, and forget you and me. You know, crap, what the hell do we know? I'm talking about people around football. I, I, people were shocked by what they were seeing by Matt Ryan early in the year. I mean, that, uh, I'd talk to coaches and be like, man, what's what's up with Matt Ryan? I mean, he just looks weak. He looks frail. He can't even hold the ball when he gets hit. Man, his arms got nothing. I mean, everybody was saying that in football. That's why I felt like it was a little unfair to fire Frank Reich a little. You know, I mean, yeah, bet, you know, and then have to play – uh, you know, a quarterback that's unproven and add a few losses to the schedule there when they were 3-3-1 and one, and they had shown the ability in, in years past to kind of fight through those scenarios and, and end pretty strong at the end of the year. Um, but that was you know, that's that was a tough one. And then I think when you let t- talk about, hey, the offensive line didn't quite play the way they thought and they really were stuck in a tough spot. Older quarterback, frail, no arm, and now, oh, wait, we can't run and protect the way we thought we could. You know, that that all was, I think, a little unforeseen. But I think the Matt Ryan thing was a little bit of bad luck more than anything. And I don't sit here and blame Ballard or Reich for that totally and just go, oh, wow, how stupid are they to do that and, and acquire Matt Ryan? And, and, Chris, when I say I didn't see it coming, I don't mean that I was studying every past no, I know Matt Ryan right. for the past three years. The position I'm in, the position I'm in, good, bad, or otherwise – People in the league that I know know that I have an inclination to stir the shit a little bit from time to time, and I will hear anytime there is a questionable move made. Right, I will hear right from people I know who would say something like, 
What the hell are the Colts doing trading for Matt Ryan? He's in the process of falling off the cliff. It's going to be a disaster. I heard nothing. None of that. Exactly right. Exactly. Questioning or criticizing the move. Right. Not a thing at all. It felt like great luck. It was manna from heaven for the Indianapolis Colts to have Matt Ryan fall into the laps after they had run Carson Wentz out of town and nobody knew what they were going to do. Uh, because this leads to the next topic. When they hired Jeff Saturday, I heard from plenty of people who said, what the hell are the Colts <laughs> doing? Yeah. Right? <laughs> I wish I was in their division was one of the reactions that that I got. So uh, on that note, Jeff Saturday from Monday of this week, we didn't get a chance to play it yesterday, but but we need to to see and hear and talk about what Saturday said when he addressed with reporters what he would do if he ended up being the head coach beyond the 2022 season. Here he is. If I get this job, there's going to be significant change. You know, the way I do things is not the way things, um, you know, necessarily have been done. I have my own way. And so I, I think that's the part that, you know, as you're as you're thinking about the way you want to run an organization as the head coach, that's that would be my responsibility. You know, when I came in, I'm thrust into how things have been done, you know, for the past however many years. And I'm appreciative of that and, and the work that they've done and the success that they've had. Uh, but it will look different. That's exactly the argument Jim Mercy will make to himself to give him the job. Sure. Jeff Saturday just gave the script to Jim Irsay. It's what we were talking about earlier. I put him in a bad situation. And Saturday, as diplomatically as he could, as carefully as he could tiptoe through the mess, he basically said, I got thrown into a bad situation. All due respect to the people who created the bad situation, I got thrown into a bad situation. And I don't know how you reconcile Saturday and Ballard because Ballard's partially responsible for what was there. That's where this becomes very delicate for Ballard, for Saturday, for Ursay, because this could be a forced marriage between Saturday and Ballard because Ballard has to hear that and think, hey, man, I'm I'm. You know, you, you come in and do all this stuff differently because the way we were doing it's not any good. Well, I'm part of it. I, I, I'm I responsible for the coaching staff, and I'm in a position to give them input and guidance on how it needs to be. It wasn't that bad. So, look, I don't know if Saturday's going to get it, but I do know, I suspect, based upon everything Ursay said at the time and everything he said since then, he's going to do everything he can to justify giving the job to Jeff Saturday. And what you get to ask yourself is, how long will it be until your stadium is half empty every week if you continue to, to cling to a guy who, who didn't show us a whole lot to make us think he would be a successful NFL head coach. Yeah, I, I think, you know, first off, to be fair to him, yeah, that was a very tough situation. He didn't get to put his imprint, you know, on it. But at the same time, you also got lucked into the greatest situation ever. I mean, you got to be a head coach and you came, you've never coached. You just got to become off a of TV and be a head coach of a football team. So, you know, there's a little give and take there as far as fair, not fair, whatever else. It was tough. You know, the thing that I, all I had to say is no. I'm getting put in a bad yeah. situation. I can't do this. Are you crazy? I shouldn't be doing this. Right. But, yeah, but, I mean, but you also you're not – that's Jeff what I Saturday. mean. You're also never going to get the head coaching job and, you know, until you go and coach somewhere and, you know, earn your stripes for a little while. So, yeah, that's exactly right. That's exactly wow. what I was trying to say, Mike. There's there. another path. Yeah. There's another path. Take when – they, when they want you to be the offensive line coach – and you say no, you should have said yes. When they want you to do it again this year and you say no, you should have said yes. You don't earn your stripes by getting a head coaching job handed to you. Yeah. You earn your stripes by earning your stripes, yeah. by working at the lower levels. Right. And then you know when you're in a, a delicate clock management situation and you're not using your timeouts, you've been there and you've been part of it. You've heard the discussions in the meetings after the fact and you learn it that way. That So... I continue to have very strong feelings about this idea that we can just pluck people off of TV and put them into these jobs when they haven't worked the lower jobs. You're, you're losing something when you do that, and I, we saw that this year. I, I would agree. I would agree with that. And again, I, I'm, I'm not. You know, I, I'm sensitive to the, the situation. It was tough, but here's what I want to say. First off, this is what I would go. I don't think they would have finished the season one and seven if Frank Reich was the coach. Okay. One thing I learned with Frank Reich and his years, and they, they battled through adversity, and every year we'd go, oh, my gosh, look at them. They're still, they're still hanging in there somehow, some way. So that's the first thing I want to say. And then 
not only one and seven is a bad look, and I know we got off to a pretty good start. We beat the Raiders. That was cool. We were competitive with the Eagles, you know, but after that, it, it went downhill and it went to questionable, right? And then that's where it, it became hard to find a lot of positives about what he was doing. I'd be good with one and seven and, you know, oh, okay, wait, woo, I saw a lot of things that bright, shiny objects that look good and, ooh, there's some potential there. But I, I don't know. As the more it went on, the, the, the worse it got it looked like to me. And that's not something where I want to go, oh, sign me up for that again. I mean, we start with the Pittsburgh bad clock mis- mismanagement, then the fourth quarter collapse to the Dallas Cowboys, then the off-the-bye week comeback and look, the defense the defense with Gus Bradley, right? Yeah, they, they set up the, the football team with a 33-0 lead against the Vikings, and Jeff Saturday and the offensive coaches can't figure out a way to manage the clock and win the game, and they do some things that are horrible clock management that allowed Minnesota to come back. And then, the, then it really fell apart. I mean, dominated by the Chargers, dominated by the Giants, lose to the Texans in a bad way. That, that's where I just have a hard time going, you're going to be able to sell that to your fan base and people there that like that was a good thing and that we saw light at the end of the tunnel, that it was their success was around the corner. That, that's where I, I question the whole thing a little bit, Mike. Well, and, and think of it this way. I know we have to take a break, but think of it this way. Was there any decision, any move, any tactic from Jeff Saturday that resonated widely with those of us who observe football and say, that's where I see the potential to become a great head coach? Because I guarantee you this, his buddies at ESPN would have been shining a spotlight on it if there was anything, anything to point to. And we know how that went. And, I, you know, I would like to have a little objectivity. And I understand he's a colleague. And, but it was kind of shameful. I'm sorry. I'm going to get myself in trouble for saying that. But it was kind of shameful that there was this blind support of a guy that came off of one of their studio desks. But if there was anything that would have been the signature Jeff Saturday coaching moment that made us believe he could be Bill Belichick or Vince Lombardi or some combination of the two, we would have heard about it for multiple news cycles. It's all they would have talked about. And there wasn't. There just wasn't. So um, do with that what you will, Jim Irsay. What we're going to do is take a break. Final power rankings of the season when PFT Live continues right after this. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. The legends are true. We're overwhelming power. The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of McDonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! I participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Holt puts his foot into the ball. It's going to be short. Fielded at the four by Hines. Coming straight up the middle to the 20. Cuts it back at the 25. He's got an alley down the right sideline to the 40. 50. Down to the 40. 35. 30. 20. 15. 10. 5. Touchdown. Naheem Hines. 96 yards. Are you kidding? 
kidding me, Chris? They showed Josh Allen his arms on his head. Sean McDermott, it appears, has tears rolling down his face. What a tribute to Damar. That's a celebration, a celebration of number three, Damar Hamlin. Shotgun for Don, who drives with the flip. An all-out blitz. They hit him as he lets it go. The ball comes out. The ball comes out and it's picked up. The Jags are running it back. The Jags are running it back. The Jags are going to run it into the end zone. How about this defense? How good is that? Play fake. Mayfield's looking left. Going to let it fly deep. Got a man, Van Jefferson. And it's picked off. Picks, picks it off. Steps out of bounds. Far side. The Seahawks have life. Se escandaliza esto. Y aquí está pase completo. Game over. Game over. Con DJ Chark. DJ Chark. DJ Chark. We'll miss really the hump good. day homers, although I guess we can do them in the playoffs as well. That was great. I, I, there were several of those. I could talk 15 minutes about those. But the moment when Josh Allen's got his hands on his helmet after the Naheem Hines touchdown return, his coat guy's coming over. Like, you need your coat. You're not going out after all. Yeah. Here's your coat. Put your coat back on. You're going to be watching for a while because we don't need to play offense. Uh, great stuff, though. Um, th- th- what else did I – something else flashed into my head. All oh, the the Quandre Diggs interception. I saw some quotes from Clint, from Clint Hurt, the defensive coordinator of the Seahawks. I'm going to write about this later today. Great quote about how – they had eight-man protection on that play. Baker Mayfield was back there cooking a steak, <laughs> right. and he saw Van Jefferson wide open, and he said a curse word, and then here comes Quandre Diggs out of nowhere to get the ball. Unbelievable. Big that moment. saved their season. It that did. saved their season. He was, he was open. I mean, that's one where Baker Mayfield will be mad the next morning. You know, or It was mad, I bet. When he watched the film back, he was like, oh, gosh, I waited too long. He was there. But Diggs is Cooked really – Cooked the steak a little too long. Should have gone medium rare. An <laughs> aristocrat. Uh, good for Diggs. Quandre Diggs has really been one of the better safeties in football here for a few years. And, you know, maybe for some reason doesn't, you know, get the credit. There hasn't been on a marquee defense where people realize how good he is. But, yeah, that was a big play and did get them in the playoffs. Put him on your ballot. Put him on your ballot. I don't think we're allowed to talk about who we actually voted for, but we can we can talk about our deliberations. Put him on your ballot if you want to. First team or second team, all pro safety. All right, uh, I think that we got we got to get that done by noon today. I keep thinking I'm going to forget to get it finished, and I probably will. We can't forget to get to the power rankings because it's a sponsored element, which means if we don't talk about it, we don't get paid. Power rankings presented by Google Pixel. The last power rankings of the season and the number one team. Da 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 da. The San Francisco 49ers. Best team in football right now. Best team in football. I don't know how Brock Purdy's going to play in the playoffs. Nobody knows. And if he would get injured, somebody raised this point with me yesterday, and I don't want to put the the jinx on the guy, but if he would get injured, they would be extremely screwed, I think. But he's played well. He's 6-0. and He's the PFT Offensive Rookie of the Year based on those six wins. Thrust into relevance. Mr. Irrelevant, as they like to call the last guy taken. I hate that, but that's what they call him. Chris, they're the number one team right now, and I know the Bills are the sentimental favorite, but the 49ers, in my mind, are the best team in the NFL. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't, I'm one with with you. I don't, th- I don't think you can argue that right now. When you just talk about team, definitely. I mean, again, and, and we kind of discussed this last week. I mean, they're 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 not winning games. I mean, they're they're dominating teams and and like doing it all different ways. Brock Purdy throwing touchdown passes, running balls, you know, up the middle for 30-yard touchdown. Defense, you know, creating touchdowns themselves or creating a short field for the offense. I mean, they they really got everything. I think the only thing we're looking at with the 49ers is just, yes, how's Brock Purdy going to react to playoff football and better qualities of team? And, you know, can they – Will he be able to carry them if things get a little dicey in one of these matchups? I don't even know if that'll happen. They're so good offensively right now that they they they're they're in a spot where you know it's not all about the quarterback. If the quarterback just kind of plays solid, they can win the game, and that's uh, it's refreshing this day and age with all about the, the talk about the quarterbacks where it's it's a team game and the Forty ers are playing that way. I. Expect the Seahawks in the playoffs, and we'll be talking about this plenty as the week continues, to do everything they can to sell out to try to stop the run. Try to stop the run. They may not be able to, but they're going to do everything they can to take the run away and force Brock Purdy to to beat them with his decision-making and with his passing abilities. I 
I have two teams. I see those who are ranked high enough to be playoff teams, even though they're not. And if you're an NFC playoff team, playoff team, excuse me, be very glad the, the Lions aren't in. And if you're an AFC playoff team, be very glad the Steelers aren't in. But you know, for what the Lions did, that was their bowl game. They won their bowl game. They won one of the non-BCF playoff BCS playoff bowl games. They deserve to be in the top ten. I know they're nine and eight. I yeah blah blah blah. I know, I know I know. I don't care. They are one of the top ten teams in the NFL right now, and I was tempted to put them even higher than seven. I thought about making them six and dropping the Vikings to number seven, and I, I should have. You know why? Because if they played right now in Minnesota or in Detroit, the Lions. the Lions would beat them. Yeah, I, 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 yes. I hear you there. So I should have put them higher. I, I, I like that you did this. I, I don't think you're wrong here. You know, they have them in this in this spot. I, you know, again, I don't know if I'd have them. Like, I think you got the Cowboys a little low. That would be my one assessment. I know it wasn't good last they've week. They've looked like crap lately. I know. I know. I, you know, they've, they've also played in two games where I'd go, it, it's hard to get motivated and play, too. So that's where I'm, I'm a little undecided. I mean, I'm not saying you're wrong. That's just where I go. Because, like, the Tennessee Titans game, you know, yeah, they won by 14 points. They made a few mistakes. They were unmotivated because the Titans weren't playing any of the starters. They knew they were going to win the game. You know, same thing a little bit last week, too. It didn't have a good look. I hear you. Uh, but, you know, I, I, I'm here, you though, with the Lions and having there. I think the way the season ended – Right and yeah, screw the playoffs. They are one of the ten best teams in football. I'm 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 not mad at you at all for that. They played good football and were dangerous down the stretch. And really, yeah, playing better football than some of the teams we got in the playoffs. And uh, yeah, again, think of how I don't I don't know what the Lions would have done if they would have ended up the number seven seed against the 49ers. I really don't. I I think the Seahawks are a more dangerous team for the 49ers to face because the, the Seahawks know them well. They're in the same division. They're not intimidated. Yeah. They're not just happy to be there. Pete Carroll's never happy to be there. He wants to go win. I'm not saying the Lions would have been just happy to be there, but my, my point is the Lions, I think, uh, could have made some noise in the postseason, and I think they could they could compete with pretty much everyone on this list right now. Um, and what they did on Sunday night was special. It was memorable, and it was exciting. A team with nothing to play for. Yeah. And I had no qualms about it. We talked about it last week. Who cares if the Seahawks win and the Lions can't get to the playoffs? They'll know their assignment. Their assignment, go knock the Packers out. Win in a place where you rarely win. You're in a big spot. You get the final game of the regular season. Go deliver. And they did. And that's why they're number seven. And, again, as I look at it, maybe I should have made them number six. But then I would have had all the Vikings fans going crazy because 13-4 and four is better than 9-8, and eight, even though you've allowed more points to be scored than you've scored as a team in those 17 games. Yeah, well, they got hot, and they were playing their best football at the end of the year. There was belief. The defense fixed some issues. You know, they had a lot of positive things, and we know that offense was dangerous. Let me ask you this, Mike. The, I want to ask you about your team at number five. Have you thought about, you know, the Bengals are, are, are flying under the radar to a degree as one of the five best teams in football. I think you could argue that they're the most complete team in the AFC in a lot of ways, right? What is it? They've won eight in a row or 10 out of 11, right? I don't think people have really given the Bengals nationally quite the credit they deserve for, wait, you know, Super Bowl hangover. Our quarterback got off to a slow start because he had an emergency appendectomy to you know, start the year and he was kind of getting going. And then the way they've rebounded and then lost Jamar Chase. And I've had a few injuries here and there. Was there ever any thoughts of moving them up past, you know, some of the guys you got in front of them there? Well, but but the teams in front of them. I know. Are good. I know. They're all the established best of the best, right? They're the best of the best. And the thing about the Bengals, you know, the Bills are riding a wave of emotion, a very positive rallying around DeMar Hamlin as we enter the postseason. The Bengals have a giant stick up their butts right now about everyone, and they're going to get the most out of that they Uh can. They think they got screwed last week, right, wrong, or otherwise, and it's it's indelicate to talk about it because it was a very serious health situation. They still think they got screwed at the drive-thru. They kind of did. By the league, by everybody, by the circumstance, by the league, by everybody, and they, they are just ready to show a giant middle finger to the world, and that is a dangerous mindset for what it can do to an elite football team. 
they are determined to kick the crap out of everybody. And that Bills Bengals potential division round game. Wow, that could be something. In Buffalo, which is good because I did just something about those two teams playing in Cincinnati. But that game in Buffalo could be something because the Bengals already have that that yes. take no prisoners, silent assassin mindset with right. Joe Burrow. Uh man, they, and they are pissed. That that is going to be something. So, yeah, they could they could run the table. They could win it all. They could get back to the Super Bowl, and they could beat the 49ers. I don't put anything past the Bengals right now. That's no. how good they are. I think that's what's awesome. You're kind of saying it, but, I mean, that's what's awesome. Are, are the top three teams, you know, I, I guarantee Kansas City's looking at We know Kansas City's motivated, too. You know, they're, they're not, like, looking to go third place, second place. Oh, we were AFC championship finalists. They don't give a shit about any of that. And they're on a team on a mission, too. And then Buffalo was already on a mission, let alone what's happened with DeMar Hamlin. And Cincinnati, you, you said it right. That's where I, I think this is, it could be amazing between these three teams because I, I think they all look at themselves as kind of the team of destiny, and it's their year, and they got great quarterbacks, and that's where I can't wait to see some of these matchups. Real quick question from GR Smith 2008 on our way out here. Most and least surprising finishes. For me, I'm going to go top and bottom. 49ers, number one, I didn't expect it this year with all the quarterback questions and the sense of turmoil and really where are they right now. And the Colts at 32, speaking of AFC finalists, I had them hanging another AFC finalist banner, losing to the Chiefs in the AFC championship. Upper quartile of the upper quartile, Mike. a couple playoff games. (laughs) They are are, uh, uh, number 32. So I don't think they'll be hanging a banner over that. (laughs) No, I don't think they will. You're exactly right. Yeah, I I think that's up there. You know, I mean, uh, hey, the way the Packers finished – Week 18, that'd be one there, too, to, to look at, especially the way Aaron Rodgers played in that yes. moment and all that. that. That was a little bit shocking. I had Chiefs-Packers Super Bowl. So my Chiefs opponent for the conference championship is the worst team in the league, and my Chiefs opponent for the Super Bowl didn't even make it <laughs> to the playoffs. So uh, it just I got shows something you over kids. you in picks this year. Uh, at least I did something right. Yeah, you, got, well, you beat me in everything else. All right. <laughs> we got to take a break. More PFC Live right after this. All right, PFT Live Wednesday edition after further review, last one of the regular season. And there's a lot we could have done. There's one we want to get to, though. There was a play that was overturned in the Cleveland-Pittsburgh game, a Deshaun Watson play that was automatically overturned to a sack. And we can go ahead and show it. This leads to the broader question. There's a lot of confusion about when and how – and where the expedited review takes over. Because, you know, we used to be suspicious when we thought someone other than one of the officials on the field was telling them to go do something right now. A couple of years ago, the NFL embraced it on a limited, modified basis, Chris. So even though there's still some suspicion when it happens, it is perfectly legitimate in specific limited situations right that that, that's where you know even a guy and that's what you see mike tomlin there he's going that's one you guys need to review and change on the field kind of saw this happen live i shouldn't have to throw the flag i shouldn't have i shouldn't have to throw the flag exactly right you know i think it was pretty obvious to a lot of players on the field you know these are ones that yes you you wonder how does the referee really miss that both elbows are on the ground clearly that he's down so, yeah, you don't want to use that challenge if you're a head coach with something as ridiculous as that. Um, but, yeah, Mike, I, I'm, I'm with a lot of fans. I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm obsessed with the sport. I'm not even sure exactly where, you know, the referees can just step in and make a or, – or 345 can step in and make a call and change it and where they can. I don't even know if I know the exact line of, of where that stands right now. Here's the rule. Yeah. Here's the rule. And it's called Game Administration and Consultation. The replay official, the person in the booth who has access to everything that we see at home, and designated members of the officiating department, i.e. the people at 345 Park Avenue, may consult with on-field officials or conduct a replay review or advise the game officials on specific objective aspects of a play when clear and obvious video evidence is present and or to address game administration issues. That is the broad grant of power. Here are the specific instances where you can have that expedited review and fix it 
without the coach throwing the red flag. Enforcement of penalties, which down it is. Is it third? Is it fourth? Is it second? Is it first? Is it fifth? If you're thinking Colorado, Missouri, yeah, 1990, if right. that was the game. Yeah, was. The spot of a foul, the spot of a foul, where the spot of the foul happened, the game clock, what's the proper time, who has possession, completion or interception of a pass, so catch, no catch, that can be subject to an expedited review. Touching of a loose ball, touching of the boundary line, touching of the goal line, touching of the end line. It can be expedited. It doesn't have to be a full review. Did the guy get the ball over the end zone, for example? Location of the football in relation to the boundary line, line of scrimmage, line to gain, goal line. Basically, where was the football? Where did it go? Where did it touch? Where right. did it hit? And last, down by contact. Mm. The very last one, down by contact. Deshaun Watson was down by contact. That's one that can be expedited. Mike Tomlin was right. I shouldn't have to throw a red challenge flag. You guys can and should fix this. That's why it happened. Those are the categories. I hope you were taking notes because there will be a quiz, and I will not be repeating them. Send me that email, okay? I don't want to write it all down. So you, you But that was good. You cleared it up for me a little bit, and I, I wonder if there's going to be some more added on to that when all said and done after this year. Uh, I think there's probably a, a, at least one or two things I could think of that would make sense to be added into that. Face mask would be the first one that jumps off to me. You know, right. we've, we've seen exactly we've seen some teams and some guys fumble the ball this year. Right? I go, well, yeah, he fumbled because his head's being ripped off. So that sometimes can make the body go limp, and that should be one where you could be overturn it and catch that and go, wait, 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 wait. we gotta we gotta make that the right call there. That's not fair. The NFL is like the turtle with the head slowly coming out of the shell when it comes to this sky judge concept. It's working it in slowly, and maybe it someday we'll have a full-blown member of the officiating crew in the booth who can help them in real time with everything. We're going to take a break. More PFT Live right after this. All right, we got a draft as we get ready for the playoffs. Playoffs! Starting this weekend, the head coach or the quarterback, or are we doing the com- – is it a combination? I thought it was it a combination. Or? I just see HC slash QB. All right, let's do the combination. The head the- – oh, it's either or. They tell me it's either or. Head coach or quarterback under the most pressure in the playoffs. Either or, Chris. Either or. You're up. Okay. Well, gosh. I kind of want to – I was planning – I thought it was more combined here. I was going to combine, like, McCarthy and Dak Prescott together here. That was going to be my first pick. Um, would you rather me just well, pick, pick one? one of the Fine, other. Prescott. I'll go with just Dak Prescott. We other. talked about Mike McCarthy. We know right. he's under pressure. Prescott's under some pressure. I mean, yeah, he has not thrown the ball or played great as of late. He's only won one playoff game, right, Mike? Am I correct? I'm, I'm going off the top of my head there, but I'm usually pretty good yes. in that department. One playoff game, right? Been the quarterback of the team that's supposed to win that playoff game you know, a number of times. So I, I do think there's some pressure on Dak Prescott to, you know, play good in these big moments, and, and people are going to be looking at him and McCarthy, that's for sure. I'm not going to try to sandbag this one. I'm going to go ahead and take him now. Kirk Cousins. And there's no pressure on Kevin O'Connell. There is pressure on Kirk Cousins. He's got to change the narrative. This is a guy that can get you to the playoffs but can't take you much farther than that. And this is a home game in the playoffs. This is his first home playoff game as a member of the Vikings. They have only been to the postseason once in his time with the team. They went to New Orleans and somehow won in overtime. And then they went did they win that that was that a home no that was a road game, that right? Was a road 2018 game. they went to yeah, New Orleans and won that game. game. Right. Yeah. And because uh, they they were in all purple because the Saints chose to wear white. I had that flash of purple on purple uh, but that was a road game and then they went to San Francisco and got destroyed. You and I were there for that one. But the pressure's on Kirk Cousins home game Team they've beaten, and uh, a great season potentially squandered if they lose at home to the Giants. Oh, it'll be good. Does he like it to Kurt Cousins after this weekend? I don't know. It's going to be a good one. <laughs> I can't wait. Uh, I'm so excited for that and yeah. talking crap to you, especially if my Giants win. This will be awesome. All right. Um, the next guy I'm going to go with here, I'm actually going to stay in the quarterback lane here. I'm going to go with Josh Allen. You know, we know Josh Allen's great. We know that. And really, anybody that doesn't know that, you just want to go, you're a hater or you're an idiot. It's one of the two, okay? So he's one of the best players in football. But I will say, I mean, he's got some things missing on his resume as compared to the other great quarterbacks in football, right? Mahomes has won a Super Bowl, got an MVP. Joe Burrow, you know, other young quarterback, has been to a Super Bowl, right? 
Uh, I think Josh Allen, he doesn't have either one as of yet. So in totality, if he wants to go to that next stratosphere and the lowers of you know quarterback play and all that stuff, this is a big playoff for him, let alone I think you add the pressure of the situation with DeMar Hamlin there and that. I think that even adds a little bit more to this. So, uh, yeah, Allen, awesome, but I think there's some pressure on him as far as his career achievement and just how it looks compared to some of the other great quarterbacks. I'm going with Kyle Shanahan next. Even though he's a finalist in my mind for Coach of the Year and may very well win the award, his team finishes number one in the final power rankings, one of the best records in the NFL, number two seed in the NFC. Now's the time to finish the job. That's where he's tripped up in the past. Finish the job. They didn't finish the job in the Super Bowl. They haven't finished the job in past years. He didn't finish the job as the offensive coordinator of the Falcons, even though that wasn't entirely his fault six years ago. But you got to finish. And the pressure is on him to finish. You've got it here. The ball's on the tee. Everything is clicking. Everything is working. Ten-point favorite over the Seahawks. They'll be significant favorite in the divisional round. They may even be a road favorite over the Eagles. Who knows? If they get to the NFC Championship, the pressure is on Kyle Shanahan to get to the Super Bowl and win it, Chris. At a minimum, to get back there. But it's been almost 30 years since the 49ers have won it. The pressure is on Kyle Shanahan to lead them there and do it. Let's take a break. More PFT Live right after this. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. The legends are true. We're overwhelming power. The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last.